just before we just before we hit the the uh, the material that we'll be studying today, I want you at your tables to talk about this. <clears throat> just a, a real kind of quick get to know you question. What's your favorite Christmas memory? Favorite Christmas memory? I'll share mine really quick just to kind of get give you an idea. When I was young, all of my mom's family lived down south in a little town outside of Harlingen called Rio Hondo, Texas. Uh, it's less than 2,000 people. It has one stoplight that constantly blinks yellow. I'm not sure what it's there for. It's, uh, uh, so, um, but every Christmas, we would get together at my grandmother's house. And we all, all of us would get there. And there would be so much food. And uh, they'd make buñuelos. I don't know if you know what a buñuelo is. Take a tortilla and fry it. And then coat it in cinnamon and sugar. Best stuff ever. There'd be hot chocolate for the kids, coffee for the adults. And the part of my memory that was my favorite was the fact that my grandmother would give, us, would give all the grandchildren a gift. And it was always in a brown paper bag. And it was the same thing every year. That brown paper bag always had some peanuts, some hard candy, just a little bit, an apple, an orange, and a pair of socks. <laughs> and I knew that every year, I knew every year that's what I was getting from Grandma. And that's what everyone got. She'd buy these bulk packages of socks. And, you know, there'd be 12 socks and that'd be just enough to give every grandchild a pair of socks. It wasn't expensive, but I knew she loved me. And uh, when we moved away and I didn't get my apple, orange, peanuts, candy, and pair of socks, I was so disappointed that first year. That's my favorite Christmas. All right, let's start coming back together. Is there anyone who'd like to share a memory? I'd, lo- I'd love to hear one or two memories that maybe got shared at the table. Anyone who'd like to share? Favorite holiday memory? Sharon's got one? Great. Nice. Oh, nice. Oh, that is so funny. Someone in, that was the. Oh, I'm sure. I I, our, I was in church Christmas plays because by the time I came through school, they didn't do school Christmas plays. I was in church Christmas plays, and uh, because I was a pastor's kid, I, any any time Jesus was uh, part of the, I was always Jesus. I, was, I always got Jesus. Never knew. Preachers' kids always get to play Jesus, <laughs> or at Christmas time, Joseph. Uh, so, uh, any, one one other one other memory. I'd love to hear one other memory. Anybody? Well, it looks like I'll be disappointed then. 
that's okay. So let's go ahead and get into the lesson. Uh, we are still going through the uh, Sermon on the Mount. We are in, uh, we're finishing out chapter 5. Uh, we'll start again next semester. Dan is uh, meticulously going through scriptures to see how we can divide out the, the next portion of um, the Sermon on the Mount. But today we are in Matthew chapter 43. Uh, rather, Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. So if you can turn there, I'd love for you to turn there, and I'd love to be able to read it together. I'm going to read it out of the ESV. Uh, that's the version that I just choose to use. It's typically the version I study out of. Uh, if you have something different and something uh, maybe stands out to you, I'd love to hear what, what your version might say at the end. So let's, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. <clears throat> it says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, What reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? And this is the heavy-duty part at the end of this little section, verse verse 48. You, therefore, must be perfect. Does anyone have another word, a, 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 a version that translates that word as anything other than perfect? Does everyone say perfect? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is good stuff, right? Uh, this is stuff that we've heard several times. These aren't... Uh, Passages. I mean, it's Sermon on the Mount. If you've been in church any length of time, you've read through some of these. This isn't rocket science. But I think it serves as a great reminder, particularly as we are right now in the middle of this Advent season. So when I talk about Advent, when I say that word Advent, what, what am I talking about? It's a pre- preparation. It's a. It's that idea of preparation before Christ came. It's that idea of the coming of Christ. We're getting ready for something amazing, and Christ shows up on the scene. And I think when Christ shows up on the scene, a lot of what we're talking about here, it, it literally is the Word made flesh. He shows up on the scene, and in Him we see so much of what. He's talking about right here. We see him give that perfect example of loving everybody. And I think that that's a great reminder during the season. So let's just go through some of that uh, for just a little bit. Um, I love how he starts. And he started a lot of portions, uh, a lot of sections of this. And he starts with the you have heard that it was said. Right? So what, what's been said and... Why is that maybe significant? What's, what's he saying? Everyone is saying this. Love your neighbor. Hate your enemy. All right, so that's the easy stuff, right? I can love someone who loves me, 
That's not a big deal. I can love someone who I can get a benefit from. I can love you because of what you can do for me. But is it easy to love somebody who literally is my enemy? No, that's not easy. But that's what we're called to. And so that's what I want to explore for a little bit. I had this, I, this, this event happen this week that reminds me that reminded me that reminded me of this idea of loving those who can do you no know, who are of no benefit to you who ultimately maybe you don't even like and it seems a little absurd to make the comparison but here's the comparison that I thought oh okay yeah I get it and it's even it's still hard so on friday night uh, we went out to eat as a family and we arrived home but um, angela and my sons and one of their friends arrived before my wife and I. So when I arrive at the house, Gabriel is sitting doing his homework, and Angela and Jonathan and their friend were nowhere to be seen. I said, hey, where are Angela and Jonathan and Jody? And Gabe says, when we got here, uh, there was a dog in our yard, and they decided to try to find his owner. Okay, so... um, it's been an hour and they're knocking on doors, right? It's 9.30 and I'm like, no one wants you to knock on their door at 9.30 at night. That's just not... So why don't you all come home? So they came home. My plan, we have uh, every once in a while, my dog, Mia, we let her in the front yard. We put her on a, on a, on a, on a leash that's staked to the ground so she can run in the front yard. The dog had a leash, so I thought, we'll just stake him. We'll leave him in the front yard. And my daughter looked at me with those puppy dog eyes. And she says, it's so cold out there tonight. All right. I was like, well, he can't stay in our garage because we, we don't have a crate or anything. And he might tear stuff up. She's like, I'll ask the neighbor. because <laughs> The neighbor has a big, he was a big dog. Sweet dog, but big. I'm like, okay. And so they went and they asked the neighbor for his crate. Now the crate is in my garage. And the dog is in the crate that's in my garage. I'm thinking, I don't even like this dog. I don't want this dog. But my daughter has decided that this dog, for whatever reason, the moment she met it, was lovable and deserved to be treated well. And so the dog has been in my garage for three days. I said, sweetheart, we have to have a plan. But it, it was just her heart. Had that dog done anything to deserve to be loved? No. Was that dog somewhat of a nuisance? Yeah, he's eating my dog food. Right? He's in my garage. My dog, my my littlest dog doesn't even like him. But there was still this extension of love. I thought, you know what? We can learn a lot from this situation. Because there are people that come into our lives for whatever reason. Can't give us anything back. That dog can't give me anything. Doesn't do anything for me. But... Someone has decided that that dog's worthy of love. And there are people who come into our lives who can't do anything for us. But I think this is that lesson that God reminds us, those people sometimes that are a nuisance, that can't do anything for you, even that ultimately hate you, are worthy of love. And that's a little bit crazy. So let's talk about that. What's the very first thing as you look at the scriptures, right? So we'll start at verse 34. Uh, as we look at the scriptures, I want to first clarify this idea of what are we called to do? 
As you look at these verses, what is God asking of us? The word seems very easy. And that that word is love. When you hear the word love, what are some some of the other words that come to mind? Just shout them out. Share. Care. Enjoy. A couple of others. Adore. I like that. Cherish. Uh-huh. Cherish. Let's get one more just to even out my line. Ooh, barely made it in there. So these are the words that just come to mind when we think of love. God's calling us to love. And it's, 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 it is these ideas. And there's one all-encompassing idea that every one of these bits share, enjoy, cherish, care, adore, responsibility. There is one all-encompassing idea that's a very biblical idea that's the idea of love because you remember in scriptures, love isn't just love. We have one word for love. In scripture, there are at least three ideas of love, right? And there, there is this, this idea of phileo, which is brotherly love, Right? the way I love my siblings. It's the way I love my family. Eros, which is this fleshly love. It's that romantic love. And not just romantic, almost passionate and lustful, right? And then there's this idea. Agape. Who's heard that word before? Everybody. What does it mean? This is God love and it ultimately is and it ultimately is unconditional. Okay, so we hear that word unconditional. What does it mean? I heard over here, no matter what. Without exception. I love these words. No matter what, without exception. We're going to write a couple of these words here. No matter what, without exception. Say that again. Anyway. anyway. I like that. In spite of. That's in spite of. What I want you to examine, one, is this is the love that God extends to us. And it's the love that ultimately God is asking us to extend to others. God extends to us a no matter what love. Did you know God loves you 100% right now? 
There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. That, to me, is amazing. That God, I, it, it, I can mess up, and God still loves me no matter what. But there's also nothing I can do to make him love me more. I used to live a life of checkboxes. I really did. My life was a life of checkboxes. My personal life is, I've shown you all, my personal life is still a life of checkboxes. I have all the boxes. I write all the boxes. I, I enjoy putting check marks in the checkboxes. <laughs> my personal life is like that, but my spiritual life is no longer a life of checkboxes. Because I thought, well, if I just read the Bible enough, God will love me. If I just pray enough, God will love me. If I just go to church often enough, and I was a preacher's kid, I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, we had prayer on Monday, and youth group on Thursday. If I just go to church enough, God will love me. And that's not the way it works. God's love is a no matter what love. That same love is the love that we're called to extend to everyone. Without exception. So I'm going to ask you to do a really quick 30 second exercise. I want you to think of someone you don't love. See, some of you are going to be like, yeah, that's really easy. I can give you five names. Some of you are like, well, I love everybody. If we're honest, there are people that we don't extend a no matter what love to. Maybe it's an entire group of people. Maybe you don't like chubby bald men. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just the way it works out. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's a race of people. Maybe it's a kind of people. Well, I don't really love the homeless. I don't really love the broken. I don't really love those who steal from other people. And this, sex, this scripture is a great reminder that, guess what? Those people that steal, that don't look like you, are still worthy of God's unconditional agape, no matter what, love. And I love this, I love, I love the way that you said this, both of you together, this idea of anyways, or in spite of. You and I, there are moments when we fail God. We know that because the scriptures are very clear. For all have done what? Sinned and do what falls short of the glory of God. All of us in here have looked at God and said, you know what? I think I'll do it my way instead. We've all done that. We've all fallen short. And God loves us anyway. We've all looked at God and said, you know what? 
I don't love you. Maybe not with those exact words, but with our actions. And guess what God says? I love you anyway. There are going to be those people who treat us the way we do not want to be treated. Sometimes it's our own family. Sometimes my kids have gotten mad enough that they want to say things that are hurtful. And my response in that moment needs to be, I love you anyway. I don't like you right now, (laughs) but I love you anyway. In life, that's going to happen. There are people that hurt us. And we love them anyway. We don't love them because of what they do. I like the way Alan said it. We love them in spite of what they do. That's, that's really very clear here in the scriptures. It says, uh, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So let's move on to this next idea. It says, so what are we called to do? We are called to love and we are called to love unconditionally. That's very clear in the scriptures. So how do we do it? How do we do it? There's, there, there is a, a couple of uh, examples in the passage. So you can look at the passage and tell me some of the ways that we're asked to do it. I love this first example. I heard it from over here somewhere. The very first example of love, because love... Is active. Love is not passive. Love. I, let me let, just let. Let's lay that out on the table. Love is not passive. Love and passivity are almost always opposites. When I fell in love with Dina, I didn't say, "You know what, oh, man? I love that girl. I'm going to sit here and wait till she comes talk to me." <laughs> That's not the way it works. That's not the way God worked it. For God so loved the world that what? He gives this this active idea. God's not like, oh, I love the world so much. Let me admire them from afar. There's this active idea to love. Right? So how do we actively put into practice this thing that he's calling us to do? And the very first thing, the very first example he gives is pray. Is there someone in your life that has hurt you enough that maybe you don't love them? Maybe it was a dad or a mom. Maybe it's someone you haven't talked to in 27.3 years. And God is asking you to step out and say, you know what? The very first thing I want you to do is I want you to pray for them. Why do you think this idea of love and prayer are connected? Yes, ma'am. I love that. It's not let's pray for them so that God can change them. But as I pray for them, It begins to change who I am and how I see them. I love that. Why are love and prayer connected? We are created in God's image and God spoke things into existence in our prayers. 
We're created in God's image and our prayers often begin to change and shift the way things are. Sometimes we, we want to do this. Sometimes we want things to change before we feel different. And that's not, that really isn't the way it works. The way it works is, uh, actually it should have been like this. Sometimes we want to feel so that we can do. Well, I, I, of course I love Alan. I'm going to pray for Alan. I have that feeling, so that feeling determines what I'm going to do. That's not the way this works out. This is that idea of do before you feel. You're my enemy. I don't feel like loving you. I don't feel like praying for you, but I'm going to pray for you. And something's going to begin to happen in my heart. And something's going to begin to change in the circumstances around us. And even before I have the feeling I'm going to do, because ultimately that prayer is an act of faith. Right? And so how, so how else do we put this love in action other than praying? Yes, ma'am. I love that. It, it, it is an extension of grace. God didn't say, oh, I will love you when you start behaving better. That's not the way it works. God loved you. While we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. It is an extension of grace. This idea of how do we do it? Well, we, we don't wait for the feeling to happen. We begin doing it in faith. And we begin doing it as an extension of God's grace so that ultimately when people see us and the way we view our circumstances, they're ultimately seeing what God is like in us. So how else can we actively do this thing? of Let me, let me ask things that y'all have thrown around. I'd love to hear what are some of the things that someone could do for you? I know I heard one. I know I heard someone say spend time. I like that. What are some of the things people can do for you to make you feel loved? Anybody? Forgive. I like that. Forgive. Spend time. Spend time. Come alongside. Come alongside. I love that. Meet felt needs. Meet felt needs. Great. Listen. Listen. I like that. Those prayers. The reason why I wanted you to kind of list these things out that make you feel loved is because these are some of the things that we can actively do to make those around us feel loved. Is there someone you don't get along with very well? And maybe you see them in need. Maybe they've just lost a loved one. Is there a way you can express actively God's love for them? Because God is calling us to love everyone without exceptions in spite of. It says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And there's a reason we do this. And the reason we do, why do we do it? 
God commands it. But specifically, because we're God's children. It's very hard to not love someone who loves you. Right. And it's very easy to not love someone who doesn't love you. But we love not because we love because God loved us. Our love to humanity is an extension of the love that was given to us. And here's the thing. We're God's children. And when we don't love, guess what? We don't look like our daddy. Beloved, what? Let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth, what? Is born of God. And knoweth God. I only know this in the King James Version. Sorry. He that loveth not. What? Knoweth not God. Because God is love. That's not Orlando's words. When you don't love, you are saying, I don't know who God is. That's not my words. Those are the words that come straight from the Bible. The expectation is that children will look like their dad. I showed you all that picture near the beginning of the semester of Jonathan. Jonathan looks like his dad. And the, the, he can't help it. Like he, I feel sorry for him because he is looking at what he's going to look like when he's 40 years old. There's no getting around that. You're going to look like your daddy, son. When we love, we reflect who we are. But more than that, we reflect whose we are. And when we do not love, we're saying, I'm not his. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You're going to say something, Ms. Tamalith. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Stan? That kind of 
Okay. You know, I can take, I find it easier to love someone or pray for someone who does something against me, but if they do something against somebody I love, mm-hmm. my wife, my children, that's, that's hard. what I have the hardest struggle with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. I, and I totally understand that, and that's why that's why this this uh, that's why the rest of these verses are here because that struggle is there for all of us, one way or another, and it reminds us uh, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And then it reminds us of several things. Uh, he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. Ultimately, if I say I can't love you. Because of what you've done to me or what you've done to my family, I am placing myself in a position that is greater than God because God says, whether you're evil or you're good, I'm going to make the sun rise on you and I'm going to show you my love. Um, and it, uh, it goes on. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Anybody, I can love anybody who loves me. That's easy, right? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. That word tax collector in some of your versions is publican. Don't get that confused with republican. Totally different, right? These are tax collectors. Publicans. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Right? Because we've got... Sometimes the problem, even with this idea, with this big idea of love, is sometimes our attitude is, what's the least I can get away with and still be doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And that's not the way love works. Love isn't asking, what's the least I can get away with? Because God's saying, even sinners and tax collectors and Gentiles... Do the least that they can get away with. I'm calling you to something bigger. I'm calling you to something better. I'm calling you to stand out from among everybody because you're not the ones doing the least, the minimum. You're the ones that are going above and beyond and people are looking at you and going, that's a little crazy. But ultimately, God's love is a little crazy. And then here's the heavy-duty thing that he lays down at the end. And I I wish we could spend even more time on this. The very heavy-duty thing he lays down at the end is this. You, therefore, must be perfect, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. You know what that word perfect means? Perfect. (laughs) It's, It's nothing. It's without fault. It, it, it means what you expect it to mean. And you're looking at that verse and you're saying, I could never do that. And guess what? You're right. <laughs> it means, it, it, it does mean without fault. And it, so it's this idea of you should be able to love and no one can look at you and say, oh, you aren't loving towards X, Y, and Z. It's this idea of perfection. Not necessarily sinless. That's not the context of what we're talking about. But executing this idea of love perfectly. Without fault. And I can't do that. And you can't do that. And that's why we rely on who? 
Jesus, who lives in us. And when I can't do it, when I can't fulfill it to perfection, I know that he can. When I feel like, man, there's just no way I can love this person. I have to rely on the work of the Spirit, the work of Christ in my heart. So, uh, again, sometimes I wish we could go on and on forever, but we have the time that we have. And so I'd love to give you all a chance to get out into the hall and enjoy the fine cheeses and crackers and fruits that are in the hall. Uh, any questions before we finish up? So it's this idea of, yes, this is heavy duty. What God is asking of us, this unconditional love that we put in action because we're His children. Yes, it's heavy duty. And the only way to accomplish it is to rely on Him to work in us. Any questions before we go? If not, let's go to Lord in prayer. Lord, we are thankful. We're grateful. We recognize the the bigness of what you're calling us to. And Lord, we, we say there's no way we could do that. There's no way we can love our enemies. There's no way we can put this love in action like you are asking us to do. So what we pray is that you would give us more of you so that we can reflect who you are so that we can truly be your children. So that when people see us, they would see our Father in heaven. We give you thanks and praise. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.